Money FM 89.3, best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Asia-Pacific shares are facing another morning of selling pressures following a night of losses on Wall Street. The Nikkei is down two-thirds of a percent. Seoul is off one-third of a percent. Sydney in the red as well. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Morning, Michelle. Elon Musk has gone and done it again. The world's richest man has a real knack for getting us all talking and creating controversy. You might even say he's got a flair for the dramatic. Well, now after purchasing a 9% stake in Twitter and appearing set to take a seat on the social media platforms board, Musk is doing an about-face not on his Twitter stake. He's going to keep that. But regarding his seat on the Twitter board, it turns out over the weekend, Musk informed Twitter he would not join its board. Do we know why? <laughs> I'm not sure if everyone is surprised because he has been prone to making U-turns before. And in this case, it's quite a familiar playbook here. He makes a lot of noise, a lot of buzz, and then he retreats back. So maybe not a big surprise for everyone. So here you have a retreat in the sense that he was talking about joining the board of directors for Twitter. Now he's not going to. And this came out over the weekend, apparently, uh, when he told the CEO of Twitter that he's not going to five days after being invited to get a seat on the board. In terms of reasons, we don't have a lot of details, so we have to read between the lines. So after apparently him telling Twitter that he's not joining, it also came alongside a spam of tweets around drastic changes, which we outlined yesterday around how he says no, Twitter should not have any ads should revamp its Twitter Blue subscription service to have a lower price, to be able to pay in Dogecoin, among other things. And this is just, you know, looking at a lot of radical um, changes being suggested. And maybe it didn't go down well with some of the people at Twitter, so much so that they decided in some form that they were split up. Um, so this is just leaving him now, holding on to that 9.2% stake. And now I think he has to figure out if he wants to wash it off completely or to take fuller control of Twitter and make that move to change things as he wants to. So, Musk is perhaps the world's best-known troll. He's certainly Twitter's biggest troll. However, he has also deleted a barrage of weekend tweets criticizing the company. At the same time, though, he also liked someone else's tweet that might give an indication of his reasoning. So, what did he say? Yeah, that tweet said Elon was told to play nice and not speak Freely. So he liked that tweet. So that gives you an indication of how he is feeling about the current situation. So this is uh, something that I think investors in Twitter will be trying to read between the lines and try to look at the tea leaves to see uh, what type of um, inclinations Elon Musk will be um, having in the coming um, days or weeks. Um, so from being the what's been called the largest shareholder for free speech. Uh, now it's being told to play nice. So if you're a director on a board, you would have to, by most um, conventions, toe the line and not speak freely and um, no, take management by surprise by the things you say. So you have to toe the line and respect what the Twitter management has to say. So you really have a bit of a more constrained position if you are a board of directors, or at least what Twitter expects Elon Musk to do. So maybe he didn't like that too much and now you have um, know him back in the wind again and 
a bit of a wild card when it comes to Twitter. <laughs> Not just Twitter, I'd say. After accumulating a 9.1% stake, Musk has been touted as being Twitter's largest shareholder. But, 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 it turns out that is not true. Who is the biggest owner of the social media platform? I should say, which group? Yeah, so this flew under the radar for quite some time um, because uh, the headlines were all around Elon Musk being the largest shareholder since um, that broke the news. Uh, So now you have Vanguard Group, which was second in place before Elon Musk ramped up his shareholdings. So they, in a falling late last week, have managed to go back to the top with a 10.3% stake in Twitter. So Vanguard owns or runs many funds, mutual funds and ETFs. So through a combination of all the funds, which will mean retail investors like you and me, retirement savers. So all that combined makes up more than 10%. So they pip um, Elon Musk for now. Twitter shares surged 27% in a single session last week on news that Musk had accumulated a stake in the company. How have they performed since then, you ask? Well, the stock is down about 5% over the past week, but it still rose more than 1.5% overnight, despite the news or perhaps as a result of it, that Musk will not join Twitter's board of directors. All right, next up this morning, let's turn our attention to two new market listings, one here in Asia, the other in the U.S. Both are the result of mergers. GoTo began trading in Jakarta yesterday. It combines the ride-hailing company Gojek with the e-commerce company Tokopedia. involves uh, financial solutions as well, all in the aim to be Southeast Asia's super app. And in the U.S., Warner Brothers Discovery had its first session of trading following a merger between Warner Media and Discovery. Let's start with GoTo, Ryan. So, now that it's been a day, how did it perform on its first day of trade? Yeah, we have to set the ground with some context of how big it is. So, they raised $1.1 billion. Uh, that is one of the biggest IPOs this year and is the third largest in Indonesia after Bukalapak and Dimitri Lekomikasi. So, that is um, something to really digest and soak in. It's that large. And this is... Um, a bit of a contrast in fortunes versus Grab. You might remember Grab going for a Nasdaq listing and just falling on day one after an 18% jump in the initial hours, they slumped 33%. But no such thing for GoTo. They were up as much as 23% and then closing the day higher by 13%. So they now have a market cap of 315 billion dollars. So this is just bucking the trend of what's happening in many places where companies are more cautious, shelving their plans for IPOs or even scrapping them in some cases because of all the negative headlines around Ukraine, soaring inflation, rising rates, all of them starting to think twice. But here you have GoTo doing well. So it is a case for GoTo where the time and price is right. So it's really setting quite a positive tone for other unicorns or even startups to seek a listing in Indonesia or even in the region. Investors who got in early on the go-to listing certainly made money yesterday, but those who bought go-to shares on its first day of trade, not so lucky. The stock opened at 400 rupiah a share, quickly rose to 416, but then closed at 382. Next up, let's look at Warner Brothers Discovery. It closed up 1.3% on its first day of trade. The company was formed after AT&T spun off Warner Media. The combined entity includes CNN, HBO, HGTV, Discovery, and the storied film studio Warner Brothers. 
others. So, Ryan, the company's new CEO, David Zaslav, is making waves. He's said to be a real breed apart from Hollywood. How is that? Yeah, so you have the merger finally formally happening. So this was announced back last year in May. So finally, the pieces have come together. The paperwork has been signed and everything is now official. You now have David Zaslav. He is the longtime CEO of Discovery. He now takes over the helm of the combined entity called Warner Brothers Discovery. So he has been running Discovery Communications as a CEO since 2006. And before that, he was running NBC Universal's cable and domestic TV unit. So you can kind of tell he's not really a Hollywood kind of person. But now he has to take on a new um, almost dimension in terms of where his job needs to um, cover. And that is running things that will be involving Hollywood, like the Warner Brothers Brothers Studio, HBO, Batman, Game of Thrones, things like that. So this could be interesting to watch how he maybe synergizes his past experience with what he needs to do. He was more focused on things like reality TV, like Shark Week. Um, and Not to be confused with Shark Tank. Not, <laughs> it, oh, it's almost <laughs> the same thing to some extent, but it's a very dif- a different, different show. Sharks. So it is... Um, I guess a new era for this uh, company, how uh, maybe they could blend both sides of uh, reality TV and Hollywood. As Aslav also needs to convince Wall Street his company's strategy can compete with Netflix and Disney Plus on a much bigger global stage. Now let's zoom out to the markets now where one of the biggest overhangs is coming from China. Yesterday on the show, we talked about the property developer Genro, which has fallen into default after failing to make payments on a US dollar bond. On top of that, there are fresh concerns about COVID-19 spread in the country and China's latest economic data, which indicates that its economy may not be doing as well as expected. So let's start with that. What are the concerns now about China's economy? Yeah, so in focus were the inflation numbers out yesterday. So this was around the factory gate prices. So the PPI producer price index surged 8.3% above expectations of 7.9%. And looking at the consumer inflation numbers, that was also above expectations, coming in at 1.5% for March, above the consensus forecast of 1.2%. So you are seeing inflationary pressures still picking up. And at some point, uh, what's coming up from China will go to other places as well. So there'll be one to watch. And also worth watching is the gap between the CPI and the PPI, which is indicating that producers are seeing weak pricing power. So they are likely to take a hit on their margins. So something to watch out for in the next earnings season. China's also fighting its worst COVID-19 outbreak in two years. The case count in Shanghai has topped 26,000. Guangzhou is warning about the spread of Omicron as well. And uh, the U.S. State Department just minutes ago ordered all non-emergency government staff in Shanghai to leave as COVID cases surge there. Also, there are signs that China is starting to, on the other hand, loosen up a little on social restrictions but only for some of these restrictions. What is the latest here? Yeah, a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel situation here for those under lockdown in Shanghai. So we've seen Shanghai under lockdown for at least a week and this is now seeing some easing for 43% of the city's housing complexes. So to simplify things, um, it's been split into three levels now in Shanghai. So those with the... Um, 
situation where they have not reported any cases. So it's been divided into zones or areas. Those areas or sectors uh, will now have the least restrictions, still have some restrictions, but not totally lifted. Uh, something that will maybe pave the way for gradual easing for the rest of the, the city. So, uh, of course, you have to bear in mind that they just reported not too long ago 26,000 new daily infections. So something they will watch very closely to see if they can continue to um, further ease the restrictions. And you have many residents in Shanghai still struggling to get fresh food and daily necessities. So I think that's also something that the um, officials are trying to balance the official or the outcry from residents versus the practicalities of the lockdown and the management, safety management um, issues that are um, now starting to strain with the COVID-0 strategy. Investors sold off on the news both here in Asia and in the US. Hong Kong Sang Seng dropped 3% yesterday. In the US, the Nasdaq fell 2%, giving up more than 1 trillion US dollars in market cap. The price of oil eased up as well, as traders worry that a slowdown in China or the US will dampen demand. Brent crude has dropped below 100 US dollars a barrel. West Texas down to $95. Ryan, the stock market's turnaround has some analysts saying investors should forego tech and focus on so-called value stocks instead. Why is that? Can you walk us through the logic? Yeah, so the argument here is that with rising rates and to put into context right now how high the rates are, if you look at 10-year bonds uh, in the US, that is now past 2.8% and that is up around 7 plus basis points from yesterday and that's the highest levels in over 3 years. And investors just pricing in the expectations of those Inflationary pressure is going even further. So something to watch out for when it comes to where rates are going. And when rates are high, that is not good news for the tech names, like the FANG stocks, the growth names. So argument here is to stay away from names like Apple, Netflix, Amazon, Meta, Alphabet, and focus more on those who have stronger fundamentals in times of high inflation, where things are more necessary for, for example, consumption, where people will rely on things like healthcare. So health insurers will be one sector. Um, big pharma will be one big play for them to look at. Retailers who will be able to benefit from um, those abilities to pass on the higher costs as well will be one to watch. And commodity players will likely benefit from higher prices, for example, oil players and anyone else down the value chain for commodities. Forget FANG, forget big tech. Do you agree? That is actually one of the arguments I've been hearing quite a lot in the recent headlines. Now, stay away from FANG and look for stocks with value which have been under the radar because tech stocks in the past few years have taken quite a bit of a run. And with the prospects of rates coming in higher, more aggressively, you, know, you can perhaps expect some negative, at least knee-jerk response from investors trying to reposition themselves. So you will be 
likely seeing some correction in the tech sector going by some of the um, analyst expectations out there. So there is a case for focusing elsewhere for stocks which are able to pass on higher costs. Time now for more corporate news. And for this, it's a game of up or down, which some of you have been writing to me and saying you're playing along with. I just love that. Are you ready, Ryan? Let's go. Let's start with the Chinese electric car maker Neo up or down. Mm, I'm going down. <laughs> That's with the news that it is suspending production because of issues at its factory, partly because of COVID-19. So that is something that will likely see it struggle as it tries to manage those supply chain challenges. Indeed. Neo shares fell 11% in Hong Kong yesterday after the EV maker hiked prices, suspended production. It's a down for me. Next, let's look at the e-commerce platform Shopify. Mm, that's going to be a, an up for me. Shopify doing a 10 for one stock split. Also proposing a new class of shares called the founder share for its founder and CEO, which will give him the voting rights. So something that will in uh, many, in some cases make it attractive for investors if they can make it a more digestible share price. So something I would lean towards up for Shopify. It's an up for me as well. I mean, Shopify is planning a 10 for one stock split. Its shares closed up 2% overnight on the back of that news. So I'm going to go with up. Rather different scene here. Alibaba. Okay, Alibaba is going to be a down for me. So you've got the Daily Journal, which is um, associated with Charlie Munger. They have cut their stake in Alibaba by half. So not not exactly a vote of confidence for Alibaba. A company tied to Charlie Munger, who is Warren Buffett's right-hand man, has slashed its stake in Alibaba. So the Daily Journal has sold off half its Alibaba shares. Not exactly a vote of confidence in the company. So down for me as well. Office rents in the CBD. Okay, that is going to be an up for me. So this is based on a Collier's report. And it looks like demand is picking up. And we are looking at grade A office rents and premium office rents rising for a third straight quarter in Q1, up 1.5%. And that is the fastest pace of growth since the third quarter last year. So something to uh, chew as we see the recovery in various business activities. Office rents in the CBD headed up up for the third straight month, in fact. So good news for Grady Office Space. Uh, the Sentosa Brani Holiday Destination. Okay, I think I am going with a bit of a down here. So they are going through a review Mm. of their long-term plans in the wake of COVID-19, just putting a few spanners in the works when it comes to revamping the uh, master plan, which was announced in 2019, to redevelop the two islands into a tourist destination over the next two or three decades. But here, I think they are calling a bit of a time out to reassess what is feasible with the current trends and what they need to tweak to just make it more sustainable. Yeah, Pula Brani is currently a port terminal. Uh, the idea is to see Brani and Sentosa, which is adjacent to it, divided into five zones. So that's the master plan. Uh, but the plans to build a new destination on Brani Island were announced with much fanfare before the pandemic. They're now being assessed. So down for me on that. 
Let's turn to Singapore now. 24 minutes into the local trading day, the Straits Times Index fell in line with the rest of the region yesterday amid concerns over China's economy and the COVID-19 situation in Shanghai and Guangzhou. Jardine Matheson was the biggest loser among the blue chips. The STI closed down more than half a percent at 33.63. So how's it trading this morning and is it recouping any of those losses? Yeah, 33.63 is the lowest levels since 23rd of March. So that is nearly three weeks. So it's now on a four-day losing streak and it is extending those losses this morning down 0.4% at 3,351. And so far in action, what we have on the STI board, uh, one of the names um, to focus on will be UOB. And they are down 0.6%. And they are making headlines for responding to the um, shareholders and SIAS in a newspaper article. So this was ahead of his AGM on April 21st. And they say um, they will see 5% revenue at risk because of the upcoming competition from new digital banks. So far, you've got UOB underwater right now in the opening hour. Same for DBS and UOB or OCBC by um, pretty much the same levels. And if you look at what we have at the bottom of the index, SATS is down 0.9%. Singtel is down 0.8%, followed by Capital Corporation and Capitaland Invest. At the top of the table, and we only have six counters in the green right now, Semcorp Industries up 2.8%. And Johnny Matheson following behind up by 0.9%, followed by Wilmer, Yangjiang Shipbuilding, and Capital DC Reeds. Another stock to focus on today could be Dasin Retail Trust. They are down over 3% at 30 cents. And they are in the news because their auditor, Deloitte, have flagged Dasin Retail Trust, um, a material uncertainty that may cast significant doubt on the REIT's ability to continue as a going concern. Indeed. Thanks very much, Ryan Huang. Coming up, Canada Shopify, the latest tech giant to announce plans to split its stock. More details on that. And Intel announcing the opening of an extension. It'll cost it $3 billion. We'll get into the details in minutes. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg. Or download our audio app, that's A-W-E-D-I-O, available on Google Play or the App Store.